Well, good morning. How are y'all today? That good? How are y'all? Anybody ready for the summer to be over, for school to start? Yes, me too, man. I am just ready for that structure again. Well, my name is Dave Shive, if you don't know who I am, and I'm one of the pastors here at TBA, and we just wanted to say that we are so glad that you are here with us this morning. How many of you have seen that movie that, from the clip that we played from that movie? How many of you like the 80s version better? Anybody like the 80s version better? I love the 80s version. I thought it was great, but I love that movie too. That's a great movie to go see. If you haven't seen it, to see it with your family. It's an awesome movie. And that clip that they played is one of my favorite parts of that movie because it's at that moment that Dre finally realizes that there is wisdom in all that Mr. Miyagi has been teaching him. And today we are starting a small two-week series on the wise and the foolish. And we're going to be talking about the way of the wise today. And next week, Brian Stiverson is going to be talking about the way of the fool. But before we get started, what I'd like to do is I'd like for you to turn to your neighbor. And if you don't know who they are, introduce yourself to them. And for the next two minutes, tell them what's the wisest thing that anybody has ever said to you. Two minutes, what's the wisest thing anybody has ever said to you? Go. Okay, does anybody have anything wise they want to share? What's the wisest thing ever told to you? Anybody have any good ones? Nobody? Yeah. My dad always told me, stay in the boat, son. Stay in the boat. <laughs> Anybody else? Yeah. Many hands make light work. Many hands make light work. Yeah. Hard head makes a soft behind. Yeah, that's a good one. If you didn't hear it, hard head makes a soft behind. That's very, very, very good. Well, wisdom is one of those things I think all of us would like to have more of. The problem is, is we don't often know where to get wisdom from. As I was preparing this message, I, I thought, well, let, let me go to the web, because, you know, the web has everything, right? Let's go to the web and search the web and see what kind of wisdom we can get from the web. And I found this website of wise sayings from kids, and I thought it was pretty cool, so I want to share some of them with you. So here's what Megan of age 13 says. When your mother is mad and asks you, do I look stupid, it's best not to answer her. <laughs> Pretty wise. You should never laugh at your dad if he's mad or screaming at you. That's probably true. When my dad says to be home at 1130, he doesn't mean be in the driveway, but inside the house by myself. If your mom, this is a great one for you kids, school's getting ready to start, so if your mom picks your clothes out for you and you dislike them, tell her they don't fit. You should never pick on your sister when she has a baseball bat in her hands. Very wise advice. If you put your brother's hand in warm water, he will wet the bed. It's no fun to stay up all night if your parents don't care. You should never ask your three-year-old brother to hold a tomato. I can only imagine. Um, if your sister hits you, don't hit her back. Parents always catch the second person. <clears throat> that is so true. I always got caught all the time, every time. If you live with five other, five other women, you have to get up bright and early to get into the bathroom. <laughs> you do live with five women, don't you? If you put a frog in a girl's desk, you're going to hear some screaming. Oh, this is... You, you should never order seafood at a hamburger joint in Nebraska. Very wise. 
from Chad. Um, you can't fake a stomachache right before dinner if you're having spinach for dinner. And this is probably my favorite. When you lick a slug, your tongue goes numb. So, good advice. <laughs> Not quite as good as Mr. Miyagi's advice that all things are kung fu, but good advice nonetheless. Now, I have loved kung fu movies ever since I was a little kid. And I mean those kung fu movies that where the dubbing's really bad. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's really bad. Their mouths are moving, but the words don't match up. As a kid, I used to watch kung fu theater. It used to come on every Sunday afternoon. So we'd come home from church, and I'd sit and watch kung fu movies every Sunday afternoon, and I loved watching them. I even watch them now, the really bad ones I watch now. Now, Ashley, my wife, she thinks I'm very silly for doing that. She thinks the, the movies are silly. But every now and then, she'll sit down and watch them with me. Um, and by the way, I just have to say this about my wife. She, I have the coolest, God has blessed me with the coolest wife in the world because my wife loves action movies. The, it's not that she doesn't like chick flicks. She does. She likes those. But she will choose an action movie over a girly movie every time. And so that's a win-win for me. Actually, we got to watch Ninja Assassins on our anniversary. How cool is that? That's how cool my wife is. Anyways, back to kung fu movies. The one thing that I've learned from watching kung fu movies all these times is that the plot is almost always the same. See, you have this regular good guy, this guy who's just trying to get through life, minding his own business, and along comes these bad guys, and they just beat him up for no reason. And there's really nothing that he can do about it because his kung fu just isn't that good, so he can't defend himself. And usually something tragic happens to him in the process. And in order to seek revenge, he has to seek out a kung fu master, somebody who is wiser and more skilled than he is. And this master, the kung fu master, he's always this guy with big bushy eyebrows and this big long beard. And as I was looking for, I'm going to show you this next picture. As I was looking for this picture, I saw this picture. It has nothing to do with my message. But I thought it was so funny. So anyways, the kung fu master... The master sends the guy out on a quest. He sends him out on a quest for wisdom and enlightenment. And after his quest, he comes back, not only with wisdom and understanding, but with some seriously mad kung fu skills that allow him to defeat his enemy. And he ends up living this fulfilled and very happy life for a long, long time. That's every kung fu movie ever made. Now, only if life was that easy, right? But life isn't that easy, is it? Life's not easy. See, life is full of storms. Life is full of pitfalls and traps. And navigating through all that life throws at us, it's often very difficult and confusing for us. And see, there are so many voices out there in the world. There are so many things out there that say, I have the answer to life's problem. I mean, from Oprah to self-help books, I mean, there are literally thousands upon thousands of resources that give advice on how we should live our life. So where do you go? Where do you go? Who's right? Where do you go to find the right answers? Because it's hard to wade through all that confusion with all that information that's out there. So today we're going to go on our own quest, our own quest for wisdom. And while there are those out there in the world that do have good advice, it might, I think it's best that we seek wisdom from the true master. Because even though everything might not be about Kung Fu, everything is definitely, definitely about God. So before we seek wisdom, we need to understand what wisdom is. What is wisdom? 
Well, Webster defines wisdom as this. Webster says wisdom is the accumulated philosophic or scientific knowledge, learning. Basically, the accumulation of knowledge. Now, the Hebrew word for wisdom in the Old Testament has a little bit more meaning than our our English word does. It, it, It means a little bit more. The Hebrew word for wisdom translated means a kind of skill or ability. See, it was originally used to describe the work of the weavers, those who were weaving the garments of Aaron, the high priest. In Exodus 28, it says this, Instruct all the skilled craftsmen whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom. Have them make garments for Aaron that will distinguish him as a priest set apart for my service. See, God had specific designs for those garments, and it was imperative that the weavers follow God's exact instructions. So the weaver's ability to follow God's design for manufacturing these garments was labeled as wisdom. And from that point on, the Israelites equated wisdom with a skill for living. And wisdom has since been defined as the skill to live life, the skill to live life according to God's plan. See, the wise person is the one who patterns his life The wise person is the one who patterns his finances, his goals, his relationships, every aspect of his life. He patterns them according to the specification laid out by God in his word. So the Hebrew word distinguishes wisdom from knowledge. Because the person can be full of knowledge. Our head can be full of facts, yet we can lack authentic wisdom. It isn't that the pursuit of knowledge is folly. I'm not saying that. It isn't. Knowledge is a good thing. It really is. Anybody ever remember watching G.I. Joe as a kid? Anybody watch G.I. Joe cartoon? You remember on G.I. Joe and on the commercials, a Joe would come out and he'd give this little bit of advice about how to do something right. And then at the end of that, he would say, now you know, and knowing is what? Half the battle. That's right. Knowing is half the battle. And that's true. Knowing is half the battle. But not Because knowledge is a good thing, but it's only half of the battle. The other half of the battle is using that knowledge. Using it and applying it in the right time and the right circumstances. See, knowledge without application, it's, it's ultimately pride. It's ultimately sin. Right? Because if we know what God wants us to do, But we don't use that knowledge, we don't apply it, we don't do what God wants us to do, and we ignore that, then that's sin. And if we do that, things probably aren't going to work out very well for us. See, we see this all the time as pastors. People people come to us and and they're struggling in different areas of their life, but they're unwilling to take that step that God has for them, that's right in in front of them, and God's clearly laid it out but they're unwilling to take that step. And then they wonder why they continue to struggle in that area of life. I mean, somebody who is struggling to have peace in their life, but is holding on to bitterness and refuses to offer forgiveness to those who have hurt them, they're never going to find true peace. They're just not. I mean, if you're struggling in your relationship with your boyfriend and girlfriend, God is never going to bless your relationship as long as you're living outside of God's prescribed covenant of marriage, if you're living together outside of what God tells you to do, then he's never going to bless your relationship. He's just not. 
Now, if I'm stepping on toes, I'm sorry. That's not what I want to do. But do you give your kid what he wants when he's disobedient to you? I don't with my kid because I'm trying to teach him something. I'm trying to teach him something about life. I want him to have truth about life. And I think God's the same way with us. David says this in the Psalms. He says, if I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. You see, when we have sin in our lives, that sin blocks that relationship that we have with God. And so we have to take care of that. We have to apply the knowledge that God has given us and do what he says to do. See, wisdom is much more than just the accumulation of knowledge. It's the right application of that knowledge. Solomon, King Solomon, was probably the wisest person to ever walk this earth. And he describes wisdom in this way. It's in Proverbs chapter 1. He says, these are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning in these Proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. For fear of the Lord, fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. Now, the fear of the Lord can be interpreted in a couple of ways. For the unbeliever, for a person who hasn't trusted in Christ, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's terror. It's fear of the wrath of God. Because there will be a time when Jesus Christ returns to this earth to claim those who belong to him. And those who don't belong to him those who have rejected his offer of salvation, they will face the full wrath of God and there will be a reason to fear the Lord. But for us, for the believer, for those of us who have faith in Christ, it isn't the wrath of God that we fear. See, we've been bought by a price. We've been bought by the blood of Jesus. So when God looks at us, he sees us pure and holy and blameless. So it's not the fear of the Lord for us like it is for the unbeliever. See, we fear God not because of the wrath he may bring to us. We fear God not because of what he will do to us, but we fear God because of what he has done for us. Do you understand the distinction? Not because of what God will do to us, but because of what God has done for us. See, we have this awe and reverence of God because of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for us. See, we respect God the way that a child respects his father and honors his father. Fear of the Lord means to respect God for who he is, to listen carefully to what he has to say, and to obey his word, knowing that our disobedience displeases him and it breaks our fellowship with him. And that is the foundation for all wisdom. That's what all true wisdom is built upon. See, true wisdom begins with a right relationship with God. 
See, the wise person believes that there is a God and that he is the creator of all things and that he has put within his creation a divine order that if obeyed, ultimately leads to success. See, wise people also assert that there's a moral law operating in our world, a principle of divine judgment, which makes sure that eventually the wicked are judged and the righteous are rewarded. See, wisdom isn't theoretical. It's something that's very practical. It affects every area of our life. Wisdom keeps us in harmony with the principles and the purposes that the Lord has built into this world so that as we obey God, everything works for us instead of against us. Now, that doesn't mean, doesn't mean that we're not going to experience trials and difficulties in life because trials and difficulties, they're a part of life. James says not, not if you have trials, but when you have them. And we will have them. And we will have more than one or two of them. But it means that when we go through those things, we have the ability to deal with those adversities, with those trials. We have the ability, the ability to deal with them successfully so that we end up growing in our faith. And we learn to trust more and more upon God's wisdom and not our own. See, true wisdom has little, if anything, to do with education or a person's IQ because it's a matter of moral and spiritual understanding. It has to do with our character and our values. It means looking at the world through God's lens of truth, living life by the standard that God sets instead of the standard that the world sets. Because, see, God's standard is so much different than the world's standard. I mean, that's what we've been talking about all last month in Christmas and July. Things like the first, you've got to be last to be first. You have to be weak to be strong. You have to give to receive. You have to die if you truly want to live. See, those things, they don't make sense to the world. God's wisdom is foolish to the world. I mean, why is, the, why is the message of the cross so foolish sounding to those who don't know Jesus? I mean, why do you think so many people refuse to believe its simple message? Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians. He says, the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it's the very power of, of God. You hear that? The very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish, since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom. He has used our foolish preaching to save those of us who believe. See, I think it's because there's so much pride in us. There is so much pride in us. I mean, we want to do things our own way, don't we? I mean, don't we? We try to do things our own way. We think we know what's best for us instead of being completely and wholly dependent upon God. And so we think we're so smart that we've got it all figured out. And our knowledge, it puffs us up and it makes us think we are so wise, but we're so foolish. 
You know there are over 200,000 books on Amazon about self-help, books that say you can help yourself. Over 200,000 books. There are over 400,000 books about spiritual enlightenment outside of Christianity. I mean, do we really have it all figured out? Do we really have it figured out? Because when I look at the world around us, man, I see so much self-inflicted pain and suffering. I see people struggling just to get through life, to get through the trials and pressures that life throws at us. I struggle to get through the trials and pressures of life. Do we really have it all figured out? Are we really all that wise? See, there's only one true wisdom, only one true way, and that is found in Christ Jesus. Paul says this in his letter to the Colossians. He says, I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. See, if there was one thing that I could get people to understand, it would be this. And it's that Jesus is the only way. I'm telling you, he's the only way. There is no other way. God's way is the right way. It's the easy way. I wish I could get people just to understand that living life God's way is the best way to live life. I've tried other ways. I have. I've tried many of them, and they don't work. They just don't. When I live life my way, it always ends up in pain and destruction. Believe me, I know. I've experienced a lot of it. I've lived so much of my life trying to do things my way, trying to make sense out of the world in my own understanding and my own wisdom. And all it's ever brought me, all it's ever brought me is confusion and emptiness. But the day I let Jesus control my life, the day I let him be the one in charge, the day I humbled myself, and yes, you have to humble yourself. You have to die to yourself and humble yourself before God. The day I humbled myself and I said, I said, Lord, my life is yours. Do whatever you want to with it. That is the day that I found true wisdom, that I found true salvation. I mean, Christ literally saved me from my own destruction. Listen, if you've, never, if you've never allowed Christ into your life that way, if you've never put your complete faith in him, what are you waiting for? Why are you waiting? I mean, you can keep doing things your own way, but I'm telling you, there's no hope in it. There's no light at the end of that tunnel. And you don't have to keep living that life of destruction. You don't. See, God, God so desperately loves you and he desires to have a per personal relationship with you. But as long as there's that sin debt in your life, because we all have it, all of us have that sin debt, we've all sinned. As long as that sin that we commit stands between us and God, things cannot be right between us and God. See, that sin has to be removed. It has to be reconciled. It has to be paid for. And there's nothing we can do to pay for it. We can't be good enough. You can't be good enough. 
You can't do enough good deeds to make up for the sin in your life. It requires a payment that we can't make. But see, that's how cool God is. And that's how much God loves us. Because he sent his blameless son, Jesus Christ, to pay that debt for us. We don't owe anything. Does it sound foolish to the world? Yeah, it does. But it is that easy. It's that simple. See, you allow Christ to take away your sin. And then you begin to live your life for him from that point forward. You can do that today. You can do it right where you're sitting. All you have to do is cry out to God and tell him that you're ready to accept his free gift of salvation. Tell him you're ready to follow him today with all that you know how to follow him. It's that easy. If you do make that decision today, we would ask that you would just let us know. We want to know. You can, you can write it on your connection card, or you can come and talk to one of us pastors after the service. We just want to know because we want to give you some information that's going to help you on your journey, to help you take those next steps as a follower of Christ. So if you do that, please let us know. If you've already made that decision, you're already a follower of your Christ, a follower of Christ, but you're not living your life all in, why? Why not? Why are you trying to live in two different worlds? You have to make a choice. There is no sitting on the fence. I'm telling you, there's no sitting on the fence. It's either God's way or it's your way. And you know what your way brings. So why are you holding on to it so tightly? Have faith. Trust God. Trust that he's going to lead you in the right paths. See, Ed talked about this last week. He says, if we truly want life, then we have to die to ourselves. And we have to allow Christ to live fully in us. We have to give up on our own selfishness and start following God's plan for our lives. See, the wisdom of this world, it only brings destruction. James says it in this way. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it. Prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It's also peace-loving, gentle at all times, willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no favoritism, and it is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Are you living that kind of life with that kind of wisdom? If not, why not? Why not? I'm going to ask the band to come up to the play. And as they come up, I want you to consider this. I see it as my responsibility as a father to pass on as much knowledge and wisdom as I possibly can to my son. 
Because I want Alex, I want him to have the best life that he possibly can have. So I give him this bit of advice over and over and over and over again. And I know he is so sick of me saying it that even when I start, he's like rolls his eyes and goes, here we go again. But it's the one thing that I want him to learn from me. And if he never learns anything else, but he gets and understands this, then I've done my job as a father. And this is what I tell him. I tell him this. There are two choices in life, only two. God's way or your way. And God lets you choose which one you want to take. Now, a wise person would say, I will listen to the one who is all-knowing, all-seeing, creator of the universe. And only a fool would say that he knows more than God. So which are you? Are you the wise man or are you the fool? Let's pray. God, thank you so much that, um, that there is such wisdom in your words, God. Thank you that there is life and salvation and freedom in your word, God. God, thank you for the amazing love that you have shown us by sending your son to, the, to this earth to die for us. God, I know the world sees that as foolish. The world sees that as folly. But God, we find the power of God in that. So help us to truly be wise and walk that path. In, in Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen.